0: You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. You have your Bibles on invite you to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 verse 19.
1: Acts chapter 11 verse 19
0: we have been in a series of through going through the book of acts and just it's book of acts is an incredible uh, book uh, that's not an an easy book by any means to uh, uh, to preach through it has some challenging um, theological doctrines uh, that um, uh, that can that can challenge us sometimes that we really need to get a, a good grasp on uh, but it gives us a great uh, picture of our past it gives us a great model of what the church is to be and we see clearly how god's but this has been our theme god's god's power uh god's word and god's church sends us on our mission uh that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks and today we're going to look at this church you see it in your uh, in your in your uh little bulletin there, your, your handout. The Gentile Church at Antioch. We're going to look at um, this, this, this church that I believe is an incredible model of a Christian church. We, we saw the, the birth of the church at the, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we saw the, uh, the church there in Jerusalem. But, but this is the first church uh, that we see outside of Jerusalem that would be uh, a that was well, when they were first called Christians up to this point. They were uh, they were God fearers. They were even considered atheists. Uh, think of that as uh, our, our our first brothers and sisters in Christ were considered by the Jews atheists because they they believed in a God that they uh, that they could not see and they could not uh, prove. They didn't think they could anyway. And here's. Here's this church, Antioch, an incredible, incredible model of a church. If I was told you had to pick one church in the Bible to model your church after, which would it be? I think it would be the church at Antioch. Uh, I, I think it would be this one, Acts chapter 11, uh, 12, and, and 13 and on. We see this incredible group of believers that, that are birthed in this text that we're going to look at today. And, and I hope that it is a church that we can model, that we can imitate. Um, uh, and I think we would, we would do really, really well. And doing that, I think a lot. I think if we if we could look at some of the things that we do as a church today, we could trace it back. Some of the things that we think we just do uh, just because we do it, we could trace it back to the church here at Antioch. This church was a powerful, evangelistic, mission sending, mission promoting, providing uh, church. And, uh, and today we're going to look at that first element, the, the evangelistic nature of the church at Antioch. Over the next couple of weeks, uh, we, will, we will, kind of like an onion, we'll, we'll, we will peel the different layers of this church back. And uh, I hope it is something that we can begin to go, man, that's, that is why we're doing what we're doing. Maybe it's some things that we need to, uh, we need to beef up as a church, but it is a great model uh, for us Uh, to look at. Now let me give you just a little bit of a background. I think this will help you really get the the magnitude of what these believers uh, did. Antioch was a metropolitan city. It was a major, uh, major city. Population of somewhere around five hundred thousand people. Uh, at this time, it was the third largest uh, city in the Greco-Roman world, only uh, only third to uh, Rome and in, in, in Alexandria. Uh, religiously, Antioch. Was the city of Antioch was a pagan city? Um, I mean, you think of just some of our, our most pagan uh, uh, cities. I mean, the one I think that's the easiest for us to pick on is is Las Vegas, right? I mean, it's just kind of like you know, it's it's I mean, it's self titled uh, Sin City. Um, but I, but I think of places um, like uh, Portland, Oregon, where a friend of mine who is a who is a pastor. Uh, in portland oregon where where I, I mean just everything goes everything is accepted and he, this is what antioch was like antioch had a plurality of gods it was even titled uh it had it had a a nickname of the abode of the gods the house abode the, the dwelling place of the gods the house of the gods it was just a it was a pagan pluralistic uh city Uh, godless godless city Um, and this is where we see the birth of this beautiful church that I believe that we could learn a lot from so I'm just going to cover a couple of verses this morning Uh, this really goes all the way through uh, verse 13 but, uh, but we're just going to look at verses uh, 19 through 21. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. Look at what it says. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen. You remember there in Jerusalem, uh, they were, they began, they were, they're accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Messiah, the one true God, the Son of God. Uh, and, um, and Stephen is boldly proclaiming that. And they take Stephen out to the edge of the city and they stone him. To death. This is where verse 19. It's where it's picking up. It's kind of going back to that. Now, those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. Now, I want you to I want you to pick up on that. Don't don't let that uh, just kind of slip by. Here's these here's these these new Christians. Who, uh, who who they're they're afraid they don't they don't want to be like Stephen and be stoned to death so they are now traveling they're being sent out which is exactly what what uh, what they were told was going to happen in Acts chapter one you will be my witnesses where all over literally and and so they're being sent out because of the persecution but here's the problem they're only speaking to people who are just like them To the jews although these are unbelieving jews but it's still people they're very comfortable they know the lingo they know what's culturally acceptable and what's culturally not acceptable and so that is that that's who's hearing the gospel but guess what there is a no there is a there's a whole other population of people especially here in antioch who are not jews who guess what they also need to hear the gospel um and and it's really easy for us brothers and sisters in Christ for us to share the good news about Jesus Christ with people we're really comfortable with we know the lingo we know the culture we know what's popular and what's not or what's what's culturally acceptable and what's not culturally acceptable but there is a whole population around us who also need to hear the gospel, who are completely different from us, who think different from, differently from us, who might even possibly vote different from, from us, who might have completely different thoughts about things that we're absolutely sure of, but they also need to hear the gospel. And that's where we see, well, look, at what, look at what happens in the latter part of verse 20. But there were some of them Underscore that in your Bible. There were some of them. Some of who? Some of these people who had left Jerusalem who's been scattered because of the persecution, but there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks also, watch this, they began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Praise God for this group of people who who fearlessly, who intentionally didn't just speak to their own comfort group, they, they went outside of that comfort group, and they also began to speak, proclaim the good news about the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but in Acts, uh, Dr. Luke, who, who penned these words, every once in a while gives us kind of an update of the church. Uh, you see it in a couple of different places already we've looked at, and here's here's another little update. A large number who believed turned to the Lord. now again, God willing, next week we're going to look at at at, at their uh, their care for one another we're going to look at how they were a mission sending and a mission providing uh, church. But the first thing I want us to notice is the attention to evangelism, the attention that they gave to evangelism. Let me just unpack that by giving you a couple of points. The first is this. They had a willingness to engage the culture. They had a willingness to engage the culture. I believe believe sometimes, not sometimes, quite often as Christians, um, we're afraid of the culture. Um, we, we don't believe what the culture believes around us, the, the, the unbelieving uh, culture around us, that we're just afraid of the culture. Um, here's, here's a group of believers who had a willingness to engage the culture. We see it in verses 19-19. Here's these these believers who've been scattered from Jerusalem during the persecution there. Some of them traveled up to Phoenicia, it tells us, which is modern-day Lebanon. Some went to Cyprus, which was an island about 100 miles off the coast uh, from uh, from Israel. Uh, And then others settled here in in the city that we're looking at, in Antioch. And, and as they were scattered, the, as I said in, in reading the text, they're just they're going about and they're, they're 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 teaching the good news about Jesus, but they're teaching it to just their 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 own people, uh, their their own comfort zone, um, and they're they're really ignoring a whole nother, uh culture of people, a whole other group of people who also needed uh, to hear the gospel. But we have this. This phrase, but some of them. Uh, some men from Cyprus, uh, some men from uh, from Cyrene, which would have been Northern Africa, which what were what is today Northern Africa, they arrive in Antioch because of the persecution, uh, former Jews or now Christian Jews, they arrive in Antioch and they boldly engage the culture they courageously preach the good news to these greeks to the gentiles to these people who were considered by jews lower than dogs they they here's here's what's cool they initiate the conversation you say wait a minute didn't didn't peter uh, do that last week in, in, in Acts chapter 10 and that story, because you all read, right? All, Acts chapter nine and Acts chapter 10, and 11. you all read that right? Didn't we, didn't we vote on that, or was that in the late service? I'm getting our two services confused. Um, but but here Peter was Peter, Peter didn't courageously go and preach uh, to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. Uh, God had to do some things leading up to that. Uh, Number one, he was invited by Cornelius, but he was invited and sent by the Holy Spirit after that vision. Here's a group of people who are uninvitingly, but being sent by the mission of God, and they are boldly proclaiming the gospel. They initiated the conversation. There's a couple of scholars when I was studying this that they, uh, they call these men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they call them mavericks in a positive way, not in a, not in a negative way. They call them mavericks. They call them daring spirits. And as I began to study this, I, I was thinking, Look, what, what would have given them the boldness? Well, maybe they had heard of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Turn over to Matthew chapter 10, verses 28, because this is why I think we, we should not be afraid of an unbelieving culture around us even when they want to hurl ugly things at Christians because of what they think we believe. Matthew chapter 10,
1: verse
0: 28. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. That sounds like a hard lesson to learn, right? Don't fear someone who has the ability to kill you.
1: Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell.
0: Maybe, they're, maybe, they, had, maybe they were already believing what the apostle Paul is going to teach them later on. In Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-one, says, "This for me to live is Christ; to die is gain." They courageously, they boldly, and intentionally, they are sharing the gospel with these Gentiles. These men who had traveled from northern Africa, they're fearless. They're intentional. Uh, They're engaging these Gentile unbelievers, spreading the gospel among them. They listen, they broke major cultural barriers because the gospel, the advancement of the gospel was important to them. The obedience of what what God had called them to do was was important to them. And and the cultural barriers that that seem to be just set up, that seem to be absolute, something that we must not cross, they were willing to cross it and praise God that they did. Today we're getting to see even the fruit of their willingness to cross these cultural barriers. So the first reason that this uh, Antioch church is a good model for us is their willingness to engage culture. Uh, we don't see in them um, an anti-Gentile bias. Uh, we don't see them just you know, going around the, uh, the other side of the road uh, because a Gentile is on this side. We see them engaging that Gentile. We don't see them avoiding certain parts of town because of the Gentiles. We see them going to those parts of town because of the Gentiles and they needed to hear the gospel. We don't see them avoiding certain businesses because of the Gentiles. We see them going to the businesses because they needed to hear the Gospel. The Antioch Christians just simply, they did not withdraw contact from unbelieving Gentiles because the unbelieving Gentiles needed to hear the Gospel. It's really easy for us, and I'm guilty. We've, we've, I think we've probably all done it. We have, we have unengaged unbelievers because we don't like what they do. And here's, here's the always the shocking truth: unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers do, right? And and we're we're often shocked at that. Like, why would they act that way? Well, they're unbelievers, <laughs> and the Anak Christians didn't withdraw contact for them. Listen they 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 intentionally let their light shine around them. In in the midst of this dark pagan culture where there was there was a plurality of gods, they went in and said no there is one lord. There's one god. There's one way to get to that god and that is through his son Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Listen, it's no surprise that this was the congregation God used to launch the gentile church it's this one the antioch church it's the one that god used to send out missionaries to send out believers and uh again we'll we'll look at that in a couple of weeks listen to be an Antiochian church i'm not sure i wrote that down in my notes but i'm really not sure if that's a word to be an Antiochian church would be a church like antioch however um what is, whatever is the best way to say that, to, to, be, to be this type of church, we must be involved with people, people who are unlike us, people who believe different from us. Again, believers, unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers do. And, and with that, Christians must do what we have been called to do. Right? Unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers are going to do, and Christians must do what we have been called to do, which is to fearlessly engage the culture around us to see the lost become saved. That's what we've been called to do. Listen, we have to learn how to live faithfully. We have to learn how to live sensibly. We have to learn how to live soberly. We have to learn how to live wisely, graciously. We have to learn how to live winsomely. And you say, man, I'm already living that way, but here's here's the key. We have to learn how to live like that among unbelievers, not separate from unbelievers. So we're in a... This is what, what I'm about to say here. I, I, I've really thought about should I say it this way it's not hyperbole, what I'm about to say. We are in a war. and a war is never fought by escapism. You cannot escape and win a war. It requires engagement for the good of those we are engaging
1: There are people who are dying today
0: and will spend eternity and hell and we must engage the culture in chapter 11 verse 20 look at it again it's this phrase that I love but there were some of them there were some of them I think oftentimes we we, we, we feel a lot more comfortable in numbers. Now I get that. It is more comfortable when more people are doing it with you. But listen, there was more people not going to the Gentiles than there were going to the Gentiles. It says there were some of them. Listen, here's the point I want you to see in this. We can't wait for everyone to do what's right before we do what's right. It's, it, is, it is easy to do what's right when everybody's doing what's right. Listen. It's easy to pray around a table at a restaurant when you're sitting. Everyone around that table is a Christian. When you're sitting, you know, at at a group and everyone's there.
1: It's not so easy when it's maybe just you,
0: maybe you and your spouse. We can't wait for everyone to do what's right before we do what's right we have been called micah chapter 6 verse 8 just write this down in your notes micah chapter 6 verse 8 i love this text mic mankind he has told each of you what is good and what it is the lord requires of you to act justly even when no one else is it's what we have been called to do. We can't wait for everybody else to do what's right. We must do what's right. We must act justly to love faithfulness and to walk humbly with our God. When? When the whole church is walking in that direction? No. Now. But there were some of them. So, this first point I want you to see is their willingness to engage culture. The second is this a personal anonymity I want you to notice this is key there's a personal anonymity this goes along with this whole but there were some of them listen we don't know the names of these believers i i I was about to call them evangelists but but sometimes we get in our mind evangelists are those are those called evangelists that go around and they go from church to church these were believers who are willing to to intentionally engage the culture which is what we've all been called to do but we don't know their names we don't know the names of any of them we know the bare minimum is we know where they came from but that doesn't really tell us anything about them Their outreach efforts in Antioch had a ripple effect that we are still feeling today. It can still be felt today in the church. It can still be seen today in the church. Yet we know almost nothing about them. And they initiated this worldwide mission. And we don't know their names. Listen, if you ever wondered whether unnamed Christians really make a difference for the kingdom
1: Acts chapter 11 verse 20 says yes
0: Can can I right here in Farwell Texas really make a difference for the kingdom of God can I can I speak into cultural things that are going on that are ungodly can I can I make a difference in this small little corner of the world and the answer is absolutely yes these men were just being faithful to Jesus. Uh, we, we don't read anything about a plan. We don't read anything about a program. We don't know anything if they had, if they had a budget. Here's what we do know. They had a fearless zeal and a knowledge of the Lord. They, they, they were fearless. they were willing to go into this, this culture that was so opposite of them, that had been so hated by their own people, they were willing to do this. There was just a fearless zeal and a knowledge of the Lord. Look at what it says in, in the latter part of verse 20, but there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also or I'm sorry, began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord. Jesus, they had a zeal and a knowledge of the Gospel. And God worked through them in a mighty way.
1: Um, I, I don't know if you
0: feel this pressure um, or if you feel this or not, but in, in a day of mega churches, um, highly produced podcasts, and um, celebrity Christians. This, this is what seems to be pushing the narrative, the, the books that are being written and the, uh, uh, the, the voices that are being heard seems to be being heard by them. But in a day of that, we desperately need to rediscover the work of men like what we're reading about in this text. We don't know their name but the ripple effect of their fearlessness, their willingness to be obedient is still being felt today. Listen, if no one ever knows my name, but people come to faith in Jesus Christ, they come to know His name and love Him, then I'm good with that. that's, That's what we see with these guys here. These unsung heroes give us a model to follow. The church at Antioch got started because so-called nobodies witnessed to their neighbors. And listen, without a doubt, there are gifted evangelists. There are some people, and I know some of them, like they can read the menu at Denny's and six people are going to get saved. But that's, that's not, but that's not all of us, but every single one of us is called to share the Gospel. There's not not any Christian who has been saved that God has said, you know what, this this task is not for you. No, we've all been called to do that. And we all have a message. We all have a a story. If you've been saved, then listen, you were dead and now you are alive. That's an incredible story. I was, now I am. Well, how did that happen? Because of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about Him. There's your story. Listen to lifestyle evangelism is a calling on each and every one of us who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So you have this this anonymity. You have this this willingness to engage the, uh, the, 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 the culture. But the third is, I want you to see this. It's the Lord's sovereignty. It's the Lord's sovereignty look at look at verse 21 these evangelists they were they were just ordinary guys so how did they see such results look at verse look at verse 21 i pointed to it just a second ago but the lord's hand was with them that is key the lord's hand was with them i don't know if you had a chance to watch the uh, my, my sunday school devotional this morning but the lord's hand is with you as well the lord is my shepherd which means this shepherd is with his sheep he is with us even in today when we might think that it is a it is a dark world where is god in all of this i'm telling you god is with us and we see that in the text the lord was the lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to the lord lord's sovereign hand was on them and he blessed their wit their witness He blessed their obedience. He blessed their zeal. And I love this. The the Lord is the hero of this story. It's not these unnamed men. It's good that they're not named. The Lord is the hero. He's the hero of the message. It's the, the whole message was about the good news about the Lord Jesus. That's what, they, that's what they're preaching. That's what they're teaching. They're, they're, they're telling these Gentiles that there is one God. He's the hero of the story. He's the goal of the message. They turned to the Lord. They didn't turn to these people. They didn't turn to the Jerusalem church. They, turn, they didn't turn to this. Well, there wasn't even an Antioch church at this moment. They didn't turn to the church. They turned to the Lord. He is the hero of the message. He's the source of the power. The Lord's hand was on them. Jesus was building His church. I mean, You think about some of the most pagan cities pagan neighborhoods, pagan people. And, and we might look at that and we'd go, man, God would never move there. They don't deserve it. it. This is exactly where God moved. And He planted a church right in the center of this pagan, idol-worshiping, multicultural
1: megacity.
0: Listen, we can't manipulate the hand of the Lord into doing amazing things. We can't, um, we can't move His hand. We can't make Him do anything. But I believe that they were a praying church. I believe these these men these these some of them these the the few of these I believe they were a praying people and I believe it will bear its, itself out as we go through the rest of chapter 11 12 and into 13 we will see that they were a praying people and I don't know exactly what they were praying but I want I want to point you back to Acts chapter 4 Acts chapter 4 verse 24 go back there with me and I want you to I want us to I want us just to revisit this prayer Peter and John have been arrested and now they have, been, they have been released. And I want you to hear this prayer. The last part of verse 24, they say this, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, they're actually going back to Psalm chapter 2. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will predestined to take place. But watch this. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders and performed through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's a group of people who are now praying for the people that just put them in prison, who just put them in jail, and they've been released from. I believe it is that same type of prayer. That, we don't know if it's exact word, but I believe it is that same type of spirit spirit of prayer that they are praying for here in Antioch and I believe it's a type of prayer that we need to pray for the south plains of Texas western Texas west Texas eastern New Mexico that we pray oh God would you give us a boldness to engage the culture around us God, would You give us a boldness to engage this culture? And it doesn't matter if they know our name. What really matters is do they know Your name and do they love You? And God, we're going to trust Your sovereign hand.
1: Listen, the church in Antioch was birthed by effective evangelism. And as a result of that, we
0: have a church that looks a lot like heaven. Every nation, every tribe, Every people in every language, and it is my prayer that our church would be the same way. I, I pray that this would be a model. The church at Antioch would be a model for us. There would be a willingness to engage the culture. There would be a personal anim- anonymity. Doesn't matter who gets the credit, as long as we're pointing people to Jesus and they come to know Him. And then we would trust the sovereign hand of God. And we would pray. We would pray all with all that we have for lost people to come to know Him. We're in a war. We need to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray to that. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.